You know, I heard Skinner say the teachers will crack any minute. Skinner said the teachers will crack any minute. Purple Monkey Dishwasher. Welcome to another episode of Purple Monkey Dishwasher, a Simpsons podcast with your host, Al Babcock of AB3 Comedy. I have another guest here with me, as always, Scott Brown from Ottawa. Thank you for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. All right. So we're here to talk about The Simpsons. Uh, Scott, what's your first memory of The Simpsons, or when did you first discover The Simpsons? Oh, Oh, my first memory. I mean, it was definitely hard to even specifically remember what episode i mean i i was able to watch it for a little bit when it was like it wasn't obviously just first on tv but i want to say like i was probably like eight or nine or something like that um i actually grew up in an extremely religious household um so once i kind of was at that stage where like i was able to like watch tv when you get home from school and whatever and your parents were in the other room but then it didn't take long for like eventually my dad to be like "Uh uh-oh my kids are watching the Simpsons and like he just put the lockdown on that. So like it became this like forbidden fruit, you know? Um, so I would just try to like, I would often realize that certain channels, they would air something at a certain time and like they would air it again, like later at night. Yeah. And so I would find out, of course, using like literally like this is dating myself, like it'd be like the paper TV guide, you know, or like <laughs> the Rogers one that like slowly comes down and tells you the channels. And like just figuring out like whatever times it was on and some of my other favorite cartoons too. And try to like just make sure I could watch it like before my dad got home or when my dad was out or something like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or eventually like when you're at friends' houses and so, for the most part, most of my friends' parents didn't really care about it. I had like one friend's parents that were like, your dad said when you're here, you can't watch The Simpsons. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, I never got it as a kid because like I had older brothers and sisters who just watched it all the time. So I think it was easier for my parents just to say, like, I can watch it and tell all four of us that we can't. So I would go to school all the time and be quoting The Simpsons. And I didn't realize that, like, it was inappropriate at all. Like, I just, I thought I was kind of like the only kid my age who was allowed to watch it. Yeah, well, I think it's because it's a cartoon. It's like, it's a cartoon, so it can't be, like, you know, I think that there's definitely a lot more adult content in it than people realize which is probably why my dad didn't want me to watch it and i get it a lot more now when i rewatch it than i did as a kid um i mean look at itchy and scratchy in a sense i mean it's obviously like yeah pretty violent but (laughs) well it's true like now especially going back and watching like episode after episode there's so many adult jokes in it that i didn't get or just not even uh, adult jokes, but like references to literature, references to movies I had never seen when I was a kid. So like, I it's, didn't it's, even... it's a very intelligent show. Like it's amazing the, 
the the depth that goes into some of these episodes that the writers have, you know, especially like back in like the first like 15 seasons. Like the first time I saw um, the Dr. Zayas episode as a kid, I, I didn't even know it was like a Planet of the Apes, Apes reference. I just thought it was just something funny because I, I never knew what Planet of the Apes was yet. Yeah. <laughs> but then you go back like years later and you watch it and you're like, oh shit. Like I'm, I'm seeing like cultural references that I learned from the Simpsons. Like I thought they were original Simpsons stuff. So this, this was actually how, how sheltered I was as a kid. Um, when I was, I want to say, I'm trying to remember like the time frame that like Bill Nye was like in his prime, right? Um, so like, I don't think I even like heard Nirvana for the first time until probably like grade six or seven or something. Like, every, like literally every music, all the music in the house was like Christian radio or like, or things like uh, classic rock. Um, and like my dad didn't care like if like Led Zeppelin was on because it was, mm but like even then like my dad didn't listen to a lot of that my mom did so a lot of a lot of the stuff that was around me just I didn't even know that was going on so when I heard smells like teen spirit I'm like oh that's that song from Bill Nye like I started realizing like like all those like covers they do at the end are from real songs and I I had heard hardly any of them and then when I heard them all the first time I was like holy shit like what the hell like it just dawned on me like how sheltered I was you know yeah (laughs) No, it's so true. It's the same with the Simpsons and the Beverly Hills Cop theme. Like when they play it a couple times in a in a couple episodes, where like they're sneaking through the power plant or whatever. And I just thought it was like some kind of funny song they played. And then I watched Beverly Hills Cop when I was like in, a teenager. I was like, oh shit, that's like the whole theme song to the to the movie. Yeah, so, uh, and it's it's funny when you when you consider the. Well, I mean, I guess you can say like that pop culture, it goes into, um, you know, a lot of different shows too, but um, like the, the writers obviously have got like a big thing on for like Renaissance things and like Shakespeare and stuff too. And I didn't realize like how much other stuff was done, like outside the cartoons and in grade was it? I think it was like grade 10 or 11. So we actually had, uh, I mean, you're familiar with like the mascot Sparta cap for the Ottawa senators. Yeah. So my high school teacher, when I was in high school was the mascot. Oh, really? he, was, he was a cool guy. And like yeah. every, every other day you would see him, he was wearing a Ralph Wiggum hoodie. He loved the Simpsons and he literally made it a part of his curriculum because he taught English. Yeah. So we were learning Shakespeare like via the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. It was cool. And like, there was like things that he had that were like almost like more like graphic novels and other things. Like they, they had like these like sub videos or, or books or things that were just just Shakespeare like the like the Simpsons have really like found other niches that were like outside of their of just standard day-to-day things um to 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 write about you know when it was almost like a better way to learn like you know yeah. he connected with the students through the Simpsons which was brilliant because like I was like wow Shakespeare's fun you know mm-hmm. I don't think that like parents necessarily like understand that as much you know like sure it's 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 kind of like a dumb cartoon but like who the hell cares about cares about that? But then you're like, hey, well here, put cheese on your broccoli. Your kids want to eat that broccoli, you know? Yeah, I think like I I developed my sense of humor from The Simpsons more than anything. Like growing up, just because I I like I just always like like awkward, obscure. I, I like puns. I like shit like that. But like yeah. 
Well, no, this, this, this is, this is, this is a, a, a kind of funny recent story. So, cause I, like I split up with my ex, um, almost a couple of years ago. So last, last summer I kind of started dating and I, and I met a chick and we definitely connected over, over like Simpsons. Cause he was like, Oh, I love the Simpsons too. But it didn't like dawn on me. I was talking to her on the phone and I was driving and like, we, I, I think we may have met once at this point. I can't remember when, when it was, but it was like things were very early on. And I was coming to a road and there was like a road closure for construction. So I was like, oh, fuck. So I have to take a detour. So I just said, boo earns. And like, to me, it's like force of habit. I say boo earns all the times. And then she just goes, I was saying boo earns. And right then and there, I was like, oh my God. I just felt it was like, I could actually get a wedding ring. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like no, no girl, let alone most people never say I was saying boo earns. But so like, to me, I was kind of like, holy shit, you know? Um, but like, I, I feel like there's like certain things that like are in my regular day-to-day vocabulary, Yeah, you know, that like, I don't even realize that I say now. <laughs> Me too. Definitely. And people don't get them either. Yeah. Well, that's why like when I first heard about this, this, uh, purple monkey dishwasher, I was like, awesome. Yeah. Cause like, I will literally be like, yo, when you're at the store later, make sure you pick up cucumbers and then I'll just text purple monkey dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll just throw it in there. You know what I mean? Like. Well, we're going to talk about what I believe actually, and I'm, I would definitely put it in my top 10 favorite Simpsons episodes of all time. It's You Only Move Twice. Uh, this episode is, of course, the episode with Hank Scorpio. And it's uh, season eight, episode two. It was episode 155, and it was aired on November 3rd, 1996, originally. Albert Brooks, of course, plays Hank Scorpio. Uh, why do you like this episode so much? I mean, I have many reasons. But... Oh yeah, I mean, I'm almost even just getting goosebumps just thinking. Yeah, it's like, um, I think, I think it's just like because they just did such an. I, I don't even know where to start. The, the the character of Hank Scorpio in itself is just perfect. I mean, he's he's just got so many different levels. His uh, his demeanor, you know, the fact that he's like on a certain level, he's like literally an amazing boss. Mm -hmm. Like he's the epitome of a good boss. He's a good person. Like he knows how, like he, he's got like all the proper values while being a super villain. You know what I mean? So it kind of makes you wonder, is he really a super villain or is he maybe just like a really, really good, like vigilante? Like, I mean, there, there's so many different levels to what he's trying to accomplish that you're like, is he, is he actually a villain? You know, because a lot of times you you can get like the anti-heroes in stories and you kind of realize like, well, you know, like the Joker, for example, in, uh, in the, the walking Phoenix one, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, obviously we, we depict him as kind of being a, an evil genius, but at the same time, it's like, you know, he's, he's trying to take down an establishment. Right. And I feel like in a certain way, the government has that going on. Like we look at the U S government as constantly being kind of like evil in itself. So yeah. um, I think he's, I think he's kind of like relatable, but also he just has these like, amazing quips and, and things that just are just so random but i feel like the best and the brightest of all the simpsons writing like is manifested in hank scorpio i really do feel like first of all he is the best like one-off character of all time and he's like so good of a one-time character that he's in like the top 10 characters of yeah. all time but if, uh like his writing every single line is a joke or or an ad lib it was ad libbed by albert brooks a lot I've been reading up on it and uh, apparently they just kind of like put uh, like let Albert talk in the script yeah, and just like kind of let him go. So they're like, 
uh, Popeye, 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 like that it was all like just him off the top of his head. The ever seen a guy say goodbye to a shoe. Like that was yeah. just all off the top of his head, apparently. Yeah, which which you can kind of almost tell in a way because you're like, yeah, how yeah. how do you how do you think of that? Um, and I think like it's just like once once you they introduce him, yeah, it's just like just nonstop. Like it's 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 one of those episodes that just packs so much punch. It's like it takes away from like usually Homer has often got this huge center with the side character, but in this case here, it's like you know Homer's although he is still kind of funny. It's like he's like he's just constantly setting up Hank Scorpio for doing something. Yeah, I love uh, like his uh, when he starts talking about the hammock district. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. That, this is like oh yeah, the hammock district down on third. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that whole thing is so funny. Where it's like uh, uh, when Homer asks him for sugar, and he's like, "You want some cream?" He's like, "Ah, uh, uh, no." no. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just so many like little funny things and, I mean, and like and you, you you pick up on like the little things too like when he's digging in his pockets for sugar you can hear like change yeah. clinking like you know it's yeah. not just sugar in there but no that's what's i mean that's pretty much what the simpsons is is a bunch of just well-crafted jokes formed into a story like there, there's from season two to nine like pretty much every line is either some kind of joke or setting up a joke yeah, I mean, I, and I've had this discussion with with many people that pretty much like those first ten seasons are, you know, and I, I mean, I, I could definitely say like honorable mentions of season eleven and twelve, like they are pretty good, but like those first those first ten are, are just are just gold, you know. I still and like I, the seasons like eleven and twelve, but yeah, there's just it, like the best stuff uh, was like season six is my favorite season, I think start to finish, but season eight and nine were perfect too, so. Yeah. So my, my buddy Tyler, actually, we, I want to say probably maybe about two months ago, give or take, because um, like with Disney Plus, right? So he, he comes over, we'll often we'll jam, um, you know, smoke some weed, drink some beer, listen to metal music. And then usually we watch a few episodes of The Simpsons. But I realized like a lot of The Simpsons that I watched for those seasons before were always like reruns on like television, like mm-hmm. back when like, you know, we had cable. Um, I didn't watch a lot of The Simpsons probably from like 2010 yeah the last like 10 years i haven't watched like i have watched some simpsons but a lot of the time because of like streaming and not being on streaming services and not having cable um there's definitely like a, a good period of time where and if i did I, I was like trying to catch up and watch some of the newer seasons that were coming out and even then like i mean it's, it's hard to keep up with them right so what we started doing is we went back and we've been you know we, we weren't doing it in any order we were just like going through like our favorite episodes yeah. and then like going from each season and, and picking them out and then kind of flip flopping around. But maybe it's because of the fact that we're older and we get some of the jokes. Maybe it's because we're really, really high. Um, also because we're older and we get some of the humor, maybe all the above, but it's like, it's as if I've never seen some of these episodes before. Like they, they hit me on a whole different level where I'm laughing harder than I've ever laughed at them. And I appreciate the humor. And I think also part of it too is because, um, like I know a lot more about the writers too. And like Conan O'Brien's one of my, my huge heroes too. So like whenever I know, like it's like one episodes that he's writing on too, I'm just like extra, like kind of attentive to it, but yeah, it's like, there's like this whole like second wind that I'm, I'm getting out of, out of the Simpsons right now, which has just been phenomenal. <laughs> well, yeah, I've been reading a couple books now on the Simpsons too. And, uh, one that was written, written by Mike Reese, who's one of the writers. And it really describes like the whole process of the writer's room. 
and uh, how like they go through it. And then there's 20 writers on an episode, but there's usually just like one who kind of pilots the whole idea. Like it's their idea. And then all the writers kind of are just like, okay, let's just think of every little joke. Like, mm-hmm. and they just build all these little jokes. I can't imagine, like, I'd love to see some of the stuff that's cut out. Yeah. Especially oh, this just, like, episode with Hank Scorpio. Like, all the stuff that would have been uh, cut out of that. Yeah, and especially when you consider, like, the, you know, like, the outtakes. So they don't really do outtakes of cartoons to the same extent, but, like, there's probably some outtakes of the ad-libbing uh, yeah. of Albert Brooks, I'm sure, that that uh, they, should, they should definitely release. Like, the the one where he just kind of shows up and he's just like, you know, in your closet, you'll have a pair of these moccasins, too. You don't like them? Neither do I. Yeah. Get the hell out of here, moccasins. Like, oh, there's got to wonder, like, there's got to be stuff, like, a bunch of, like, takes of that. And You actually have to watch that scene specifically a couple times to catch all the lines. Because there's one line in that scene that's my favorite, and that's, uh, we don't have bums in this town, Marge, and if we did, we would, they wouldn't rush. They'd go at their own pace. Like that's like one of my favorite lines that's in there. Yeah, just, and actually, I uh, I always because I mean when you live in Ottawa, there's there's a lot of that. Although obviously jokingly, it's not like I don't like I'm English, like like actually English, so I don't actually hate French people. But it's always a fun rivalry, right? Oh and yeah. So like that's that's kind of like from a like ancestral perspective, but also like living in Ottawa. And actually, I live in Gatineau too. Like I actually live on the other side uh, right now, but. When he has that question, he's basically he's like France or Italy, yeah. and he's like, uh, like I'd miss. I, I think it's like, is it I, uh, who would you miss less, France or Italy? And he's like yeah. France. He's like nobody ever says Italy. <laughs> like to yeah. me, I'm like I love that so much because like there's always like something that comes up in different references of different things and different shows, and it's like everyone always it's, like if it's American based, like they always just shit on France. I like when, uh, man, there's just so many jokes I'm thinking of. I like when Bond escapes and then he's just like, stop him, he's supposed to die. Yeah. <laughs> Homer yeah, catches him and he's just like, You're gonna have another note on your house when you get home. Yeah. Um and just obviously like the very ending, like the very fact that like he just like on his way out just grabs a flamethrower and just has that diabolical laugh. Like I mean like what better yeah. way to like end the character? Yeah, like, if you, you know, want to like, kill someone on best... your way out, <laughs> that'll help a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. was, I mean the way that they they brought him to a conclusion was just was just beautiful. And actually, I had a, I had a boss. Um, I should I should actually send you send you a picture. So the job I had prior to moving back to Ottawa, um, my boss looks like so much like him. Like he's got the beard, the hair, like literally. Like when you see him, you're gonna be like, "Holy crap, it's a real life Hank Scorpio." Yeah. Except he he like he wears plaid shirts. But uh, yeah, never in my life have I met anybody that like really looks like a Simpsons character like that. Um, and so the first time I met him too, I. I showed it to him and he was kind of like usually when people say i look like somebody i can get a little bit defensive but he's like but, but that yes he kind yeah. of agreed and and because then i found out like he also really likes the simpsons so i kind of like took a shot in the dark be like ah let's see how this goes yeah i uh i know that when they were writing the simpsons movie um they were thinking about bringing back hank scorpio as like the villain before they brought uh, Russ Cargill or whoever it was but they had Albert Brooks voice Russ Cargill oh, okay. so, so I feel like it was such a waste of like yeah. getting Albert Brooks back for that character instead of letting Hank Scorpio come back like yeah 100% that, that movie would have been awesome if yeah like it was 
like even the plot was yeah like uh hank scorpio was trying to take over the world or whatever he put them in the dome or whatever they almost they almost could even like, just do like a, a complete spin-off like just have like a separate like you know the adventures of hank scorpio type of thing and like just like him in his super villain ways and like what he's actually doing like they know, really like the, could, the, the, con the continuation of that you know Remember when they did that satire episode about like the spin-off showcase and like Chief Wiggum yeah. gets his own show and all that? They should have just they should do something like that again. Yeah. I mean, I, it's the same though, like you said, I haven't watched the last few seasons religiously, right? Like I've seen a couple episodes here and there, ones that I've heard that were good. I've I've watched. But um I really do I think kind of want to go through because I'm sure there's some gold in there still. As, as much yeah, as well, it's like Family Guy too. Like, I mean, like they every once in a while, because like their their kind of comedy really, like, I don't know when it was a few years back. Like, they just kind of really like started to drop the ball. Yeah. But then like this last, I think it was this last season. There was a few episodes that I watched that I just was like, holy crap! I was like, mm -hmm. these like these are really good, you know. So I'm like, I think I think you're always gonna you're always gonna come up hit, hitting a gold mine once in a while, you know. Yeah, like I I really need to uh, just watch those old episodes though because or the new ones um because like i have no clue what's going on at all anymore like i i i was doing research the other day and i found out that miss kerbopple died like five seasons ago like I, i'm like okay yeah um, uh, there's a lot of stuff i don't know apparently well and like you know when i think about it too like when um like when Maude Flanders dies, I'm like, that wasn't that long ago, but it's like, oh, that was, that, that was, was a long, yeah. yeah, that was a long time ago. I'm like, what? No way. You know, there was a, and then like when I found out too, like, and obviously this is just like ridiculous, this whole changing, like, you know, the people can't voice like the, the oh yeah, Apu can't oh, be yeah. voiced, but, you know, like, like all like that stuff now, like even like Fat Tony or whatever, I'm like, come on, like it's, first off, it's a fucking cartoon. These people have been, like, this has been their like main soul thing that they've been doing for three decades are you really well, just going to suddenly now be like ah you know it's the fucking simpsons too man like they literally make fun of everybody it's not like they're pointing they're like they put everyone else in a good light and then make fun of a poo or yeah. like you know they, they make everyone out to be like an idiot or whatever i mean i never really thought the apu thing was racist i get the point that Hank Azari is white and he voices it's stupid. It's fucking dumb. Yeah. But like, it's also like, okay, well, sure, you could get an Indian person to just speak in their regular accent and do it, whatever. But it's like the whole idea of the show is like when you go to like IMDB and you look at like Dave Castellanato or you look at these guys, it's like the list of like all their it's like it's like so long how many yeah. characters they do like that's the whole point they don't they don't want to be paying fucking a hundred thousand actors to do all these different characters they have like eight people do the majority of the voices and then a few other guest stars and then the celebrity guest star and that's it i mean like i mean look at freaking seth mcfarland i mean that guy can do like a billion voices look at trey parker and matt stone i mean those guys i mean they don't even try to sound like people you know um like why is everyone freaking getting their knickers in, in a twist suddenly now you know what i mean like well yeah and that's what bugs me is the like retroactive like taking down poo episodes and shit like that like that really bugs me if you want to like make a progressive change whatever but if you're trying to change like the history 
of what happened and take like just pretend it never happened that's like bullshit and like, i saw I, I saw the stupidest thing today it was um something about like trying to the, the next latest thing that white chicks are getting pissed off about um was about greece because of it have been sexist and fascist and maybe even racist i don't know because it's like set i don't know when when it was filmed but obviously it was a long time ago and so based on the era but it's like i think when it was filmed it was supposed to actually have been believe it or not i've never seen greece but i think it's supposed to be set in the 50s or like the 60s so i'm not sure if, but i think it was filmed a little bit afterwards so either way that whatever the setting is for that movie that's what was like regular and normal back then yeah so now all of a sudden people are watching it's like well then just don't watch the fucking movie like it's not even that good anyway yeah. um like it's not like if you don't like those kind of movies but if you're if you're gonna have an issues with that then like we can do that about every single thing i mean mm-hmm. half, half of the people that would be in like all the good like casablanca i am pretty sure that there was major 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 pay gap you know inequality and and stuff like that between the male actors and the female actors and I'm sure those male actors were very sexually abusive to those women yeah. because that was what they did and they still do. It's like, that hasn't changed. Um, but it's a classic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't get the whole, yeah. Like 30 years after 30 years of Hank Azaria voicing a poo. And now it's just like, Oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. We don't want that. That's racist. Like, I just, but the thing is, it's not people. I don't think people understand what racism is. I know. <laughs> that's like that's yeah. not racist because no. first off, he's not depicting anything bad. Or, it's like obviously there's maybe that stereotype about the Indian owning, a, you know, a convenience store type of thing. But that's not Hank Azaria. Yeah. Like that's that's the show in itself. But they're not. If if they wanted to really talk about the racism, they should be like talking more about like his profession or something like that, not who's voicing him. Mm-hmm. And either way, it's like. But that's that's a real thing. Like, it's not like it's bad or good. It's like we get basically, for the most part, you're gonna find in Canada that you kind of get, you know, the people that come here that don't have the education or they're trying to get the education because of the way it transfers from from India um, or similar countries like Pakistan and whatnot. That they come here and that they work for often to find a lot of they own motels, they own gas stations, they own. They, first off, they're business owners. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then the polar opposite is that they come here and they're doctors, they're engineers. It's like either way, they're business owners um, or, you know, they're like, it's just, they're still typically smarter than most of us anyway. So either way, they're not even necessarily depicting a bad stereotype. They're just depicting a factual stereotype in itself, you know. But, like I was saying before, like they depict, you know, Chief Wiggum as a stupid cop, uh, Dr. Nick as a shitty doctor, like it's yeah exactly there's there's they do that in a way about every single character in their own way or form i mean even the stupid stupid, dumb american like yeah like stupid dumb american homer then you got marge the oppressed wife you got bart the brat kid you got lisa the know-it-all like they all it's it's that's what life is like the simpsons is literally just a parody of life yeah so all these new people that want to suppress all this and change it Let's get them to write a TV show. Exactly. And, and what's that going to look like? Yeah. Yeah. And it's what bugs me is the people who did it not stick, like standing up for themselves, like uh, specifically Tina Fey for me. 
because she did like blackface episodes back in like 2007 man like 2007 that's that's not even like you know if there was blackface in like the 80s and 90s people were like oh okay like but 2007 and now she's like pulled down her episodes and everything i'm i'm just like i i'm a comedian i'm like stand by your fucking art yeah like stand I mean, by like, your joke obviously it depends on certain contexts I, I can imagine but like yeah her whatever um I've well the episode watching- was about it was her putting on blackface uh to be like ignorant to blackface like on like you know what I mean? Like her character was supposed to be stupid to blackface on the show, but not, does she not realize like she's being stupid to blackface right now in real life? Yeah. Like it's super ironic. And maybe she was trying to do that. Like maybe she was trying to get a meta joke in or something, but I guess, I don't know. It's just stupid to censor 13 years ago. But it's like when you take it down, what does that accomplish? Exactly, and like it's like it doesn't it doesn't undo it. Like you were just saying, you just don't watch it. If you heard that uh, Tina Fey had a blackface episode, then you just don't watch it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's the like same Alec, as- Alec Baldwin is obviously a phenomenal actor and mm. a well, a very decorated actor. And I've been watching Thirty Walk. I actually believe I don't know why I never watched Thirty Walk when it came out. It was one of those oh, weird it's shows. Oh, good. That I love that show. It's, That's what... it's it's fucking amazing. But like, I don't know how I missed the boat on that. I mean, maybe it was because I was so deep into The Office or whatever. But like, I just I just never watched it. And then mm-hmm. because I have Prime, I'm like kind of out of sitcoms. I'm like, let's let's give it a try. And holy shit, is it ever good? But you know, like, there's very noticeable like retard jokes you know like in terms of like how they make fun of retards or saying the word like they say the word retard there's there's like a back then though it was like we hadn't quite hit that threshold where it was considered inappropriate to do on network television so now we still have all this stuff about alec baldwin doing that and it's like but what but you know no one's obviously coming after him yet but i mean i'm watching some of these episodes and obviously laughing my ass off because they're they're brilliant and they're they're not like like untasteful in a way but you realize like now we're like, Oh yeah, you couldn't get away with that. Yeah. Which is stupid, you know, because that show won how many Emmys, <laughs> like 130 yeah. Emmys. Yeah. So they, they were, they were rewarded for that. Where now people are like, now no one is like, oh, these double standards are just getting too much. And uh, there's so many double standards, like just so many people, like, I don't know. I've had people who didn't like my joke on stage, but they probably go home and watch like a rape scene in fucking game of Thrones. Right. And they consider that art like yeah well you know and that's that's kind of it too like there's i feel like there's what we watch and what we're entertained by from like the fictional world of hollywood but it's like when it's coming from a person who's right in front of you who especially if you know them it's like we take it more personally mm-hmm. but um like my like my stepmom and my dad like they're pretty pretty conservative like you know like that my dad's british so he's got that like kind of like he loves ricky gervais for example yeah. right um but like you know like i'm a little bit more on the almost more offensive side too my mom's pretty much in the middle like she she doesn't really care she'll have it kind of whatever um and so you know like i have certain jokes that i have i had on youtube and my uh my dad and my stepmom watched them i didn't share them with them um, I think it was because they saw another video and then they're like, oh, it's his YouTube channel. So they just decided to watch them. And they were like, they were not, not happy at all. 
they yeah. were like, yeah, these are gross, whatever, too. I'm like, well, I was never expecting you to watch them. They weren't there for you. Like, if I wanted you to see them, I would have told you about them or shared them with you. I'm like, when you guys saw me do comedy before, I cleaned it up a little bit because you're going to be present. But, you know, yeah, I mean, like, I'm talking about certain things. And I think one of my jokes was about how incest was uh, becoming popular again because of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Right. I'm like, if you think about it, like incest is like kind of cool again. Everyone's like, cause like two of their favorite characters are these brothers and sisters that are fucking and they got kids and nobody gives a shit. So I thought this would be a good time to tell my parents that I've been fucking my grandma, but uh, they, they, they weren't really too happy, but I'm like, why? She doesn't care. She thinks I'm the pool boy. Cause she's got Alzheimer's. <laughs> right. So I'm like, my dad's mom died of Alzheimer's. So like, yeah. it was just like a, the whole, the whole thing. Like, obviously like, I mean, whatever stuff I'm talking about, they were I'm like, that's not for you. That's for, people like us, you know, who can kind of see the humor in it. But when I think about it too, I'm like, yeah, like how, how did that happen? How is like this whole incest thing in game of Thrones, like a regular thing and like nobody cares. Yeah. But in, in real life, someone's does incest. You're like so judgmental. Yeah. Oh, it's just, uh, th well, the same as anything, like just violence in, in game of Thrones and, and, shows like that like everyone's desensitized to that and no one wants to censor that that's what i'm that's the big thing yeah like i don't see people saying like oh we shouldn't have uh rape scenes in game of thrones and and uh you know violence and breaking bad and you know my friend was a meth head so we shouldn't make shows about meth addicts like i, I when do you hear that and you only hear that for stand-up comedy True. Yeah. Well, and look at, look at like the mainstream music. I mean, like literally I guess music pe pe people, but I'm saying, but think about like the main big music these days. Like they're literally up there talking about like fucking hoes and slamming at like, you know, I, I, I literally don't even know the lyrics to walk. Cause I, I don't listen to that. Yeah, song. Wet ass pussy. Like that's but like, that's but I, either way, it's like these, these songs are normal and they're on like the radio. And like, there's like so many things about them that are so wrong, but somehow Actually, this this was actually like a really almost poetic photo I saw years back. It was like three really huge porn stars at like their like the whatever the name of the uh, the awards that they would win, which would be like the porn stars equivalent of the Oscars. Yeah. And they were all like dressed like these like baller gowns, like they were just decked the nines, but like they looked really classy. They did not look slutty at all. Mm -hmm. Like they they basically had like the complete opposite image that they would normally being all of a sudden they're naked. And then it showed like Hollywood actresses at the Oscars dressing like sluts, like yeah. having like very revealing, very, like it was just kind of like this like really interesting contrast to be like, look at these women who are the ones that we're supposed to idolize. And yet they're the ones that are out here and they're dressed like fucking skinny. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah, there, there, there's, there's somewhere, somewhere in there, I don't know. Like, are, are there going to be a whole bunch of white women? They're going to be like, oh yeah, well, you know, Rihanna's are just like, well, no, because as long as they're going to fucking buy their albums and listen to their music, they're not going to care. What do they want? They're going to want all that music to go away. Yeah. So yeah, we, we want our, we want our cake. We want to be able to eat it too. But somewhere then, then the lines, people like us then get shit on and we're just trying to like, you know, do our thing and live, live our life and constantly living in fear that we're going to get in trouble because of that. It's, it's fucking stupid. I know, and like most, like generally most people who I talk to like my stuff and maybe out of the people who don't, like all I'm afraid of is that one person who's just going to go start a fucking blog and then say that, like, because it's just one person's opinion, right? That's it. They can start it. 
They can say, oh, this misogynistic comedian spreading hate. And then people will blindly just follow that article. Yeah. Not knowing anything about you, anything about the context of the joke. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of do like the Pete Davidson thing. And I fucking like I tell people to not have their cell phones out. Like, I make jokes about it. I'm not, like, an idiot. I don't have a note on their table telling them to put their cell phone away. But I'm just, like, if someone's, like, trying to film me, I'll make a joke about that person so that no one else will try and film me. Yeah. I'm just like, no, like, this isn't for, like, one joke I like to make is, like, are you really going to fucking watch that later? Like, are you really going to be sitting in bed, like, watching my set? Like, why are you filming me right now? Yeah. Just, Just listen to my jokes. (laughs) <laughs> like I don't get it. It's like film when people who film fireworks, man. It's like, yeah. Have you ever actually like watched a video of fireworks again? No. Fuck. Like, no. And like, it's almost like a new. I, I I can understand like having like a tripod or something set up. Yeah, like, like if you're doing something, if you're actually but, like when you're doing, but when you're watching the screen instead yeah. of a real thing, like yeah. you'll be at your daughter's like piano recital and like you're watching her through your phone, like <laughs> yeah. dude, like what the fuck? Oh, the biggest thing for that is concerts. Like, yeah. I I hate because I I go to metal. You mentioned metal. I'm a huge metalhead. I used to go to concerts all the time. I'm just seeing like people in mosh pits with their fucking phone up watching Slayer through there. Like I'm like, what is what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah, hey. like I mean, like I'll I'll take like little snippets of something. Oh, I'll and, take like, some and I, snippets. And I, I definitely like have rewatched them, or like you know after the concert, like me and my buddies will go through them and like you put it on Facebook. But I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like miss the concert for that. Like, but like I was pretty close to uh, like Avenged Sevenfold and Metallica when they were in Toronto in 2016. Like I was really close. So like, yeah. like there were some pretty epic pictures and videos I was able to get as they're like coming up, you know, the catwalk and whatever. But you know, I was like just in a sense of awe. But at the same time, even at, at certain points, you know, I'm like, I'm not, like, you can't even hear anything. Like, it's just so gargled. Like, I mean, there's, there's no sound quality. I'm like, they have this entire concert. Like, you can just watch the yeah, concert. Yeah. Like, why, why would you want to watch on your phone when you can just watch, like, the live DVD or, or Blu-ray that they have of it or whatever, too? So, yeah, I'm like, even myself, I'm kind of guilty of that where you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I've, I have done that, too. Like, I'm not saying i haven't like i've definitely taken a couple little clips of my favorite bands i've seen and everything but yeah like you just said even when i'm doing it i'm like this is kind of fucking stupid like if i want to watch a good quality live um video of them on youtube i probably can and i should just probably be taking in the actual uh live experience while i'm here yeah (laughs) Well, it's almost like, let's say that you go to um, a certain place, right? And you take a picture, right? And then you, like, you could probably just go to Google and be like, like Lake Louise, Banff. Mm -hmm. And then just post it on Facebook. Like, look at the picture I took. Like, no one's going to know. Like, if you stand in the same place as thousands of other people, everyone's taking the same picture. Like, you know, but there's so many ways that people take these pictures just to have it. But then you're like, this picture sucks because I have a shitty camera. If I really wanted to like memorize, like why wouldn't I just like get like the really good quality one online and frame that one or something? Like it's the same thing, but yeah, I don't know. There's obviously something about like doing it ourselves or something, but I think it's for the most part, people just want to tell people what the fuck they're doing now. Like it's just social media. Like, Oh, I better take a picture at this concert to show people what I'm doing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I better take a picture of it. Like, it, it's just like, yeah, why? If you go to, I don't know, a museum or something, like you were saying, you take a picture of the Mona Lisa. It's like everyone fucking knows what that looks like. And like, why do you need a, a picture of it yourself? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't get it. But so you're a comedian, a documentary a filmmaker, a musician, I heard as well. Uh, what one did you get into first? Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure in my early years, I was always, uh, I was always a fucking hoot. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, music, like I got a guitar when I was pretty young. I've been playing music since I was like six or seven. Um, like guitar was definitely like my first kind of like big passion like that and like video and stuff like that, I guess, like me and my brother always played with the video camera and it was always kind of like an early thing that I never thought of as a, as a thing I would do, but just more of like, I love cameras and me and my brother would pretend to make movies with the one that we had. It was like super old school ones back in like the eighties and nineties that like, you know, everything on AFV was filmed on and like they, fit, yeah. they, they, they look like broadcast ones they shit on your shoulder, but like they're like got a VHS that goes in them. So we had one of those for years and, it was always a, a fun toy of mine. So it kind of seemed suiting that as I got older, I eventually migrated into uh, into video and film and TV and stuff. Oh, when I was a kid, I kind of always wished I would be on like America's Funniest Videos or Jackass when I was a teenager, stuff like that. Like I always loved the just grabbing the camera and trying to film something. Like with <laughs> yeah, no I, you and millions of others wanted to be on Jackass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... I'm five years into my comedy career and I've opened for like all of them except Knoxville. So now it's like pretty cool that I'm yeah. meeting those people. And it's the same, like when I uh, was growing up, like I watched the Simpsons a lot, like a lot. I watched stand up comedy all the time, but never really thought that like I was ever going to do that in any kind of way. Um, yeah, I just didn't I don't even think why. it was possible to, for a guy from Kingston, Ontario to do it. Like it's, it seems like such a big city thing, stand-up comedy, but it's everywhere. Yeah, no, it's true enough. Well, like even even since kind of getting into comedy, you know, you start to realize that, like from what I've heard from a variety of places, like Timmins, I have a buddy once college with us who lives there, and one of the comedians who's actually in my documentary is talking about going to Timmins just mm -hmm. because of the fact that it's easier to get out to those places because there's less restrictions and stuff. And I was telling my buddy, I was like, yo, you should go see this guy, Jeff Leeson's show. And he was like, oh, no, like that. Like his, <laughs> I was I was just going to bring up Jeff Leeson next. Wondering yeah. if that's who you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so like it sold out pretty instantly. But he was telling me like all those like Northern Ontario and those places, like going up to like the Sioux. He's like, they're great because they got nothing to do. And like the comedy scene is actually pretty good there. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty fun crowd, apparently. So now, now my buddy that I was in college with, like back then, he didn't do comedy. I didn't do comedy, and our other roommate didn't do comedy. And now all three of us do stand-up comedy. Yeah. No, Jeff's a good friend of mine. Actually, uh, like two months ago, drove four hours just to go open for him, like in one of those northern uh, near Sarnia or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably like Petrolia or something like yeah, that. Yeah, one of those yeah. small towns. Yeah, because yeah. uh, he taught me that specifically. That even around Kingston, there's a lot of little small towns that have a couple hundred people, and they have like one like bar. Athens. <laughs> yeah, they have one bar, so that's where everyone is that night. So yeah. you throw a show there, and it's usually sold out. It's usually a pretty good crowd because they never see stand-up comedy. So, like, it ends up being really good in those small towns too, and a good way to like, because you're never gonna, you're only gonna get like six or seven minutes on a club stage. It's a good way to start getting like ten and fifteen minutes 
opening for mm -hmm. people in small towns like that. Yeah, I've been thinking uh, of, of trying to get out to, um, I forget the name of the place now, but I've been slowly like getting more and more Facebook groups and like that kind of networking for like other cities and stuff. And there's apparently there's like some pretty good gigs in Cornwall. Yeah, know, which uh, is like an hour, it's like an hour from Ottawa. It's not too bad. Yeah, it's right in the middle of like Kingston and Ottawa kind of thing. Not not geographically, but kind of like an hour yeah. away from both. Yeah, and, um, Ottawa's like pretty good when you think about that because you, you really like have a lot at, between Montreal and Kingston and uh, even like towards like Pembroke. There, there's there's quite a lot within your your two hour kind of radius, I think. So once once things open up again, I think in spring comes along, then um, yeah, I don't really want to be doing too much going north of here in the wintertime. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm an independent promoter too. So like I try to always look for those little small towns and like Cornwall I've I've done a few times and it's always like a pretty decent crowd too. Like they love comedy there. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like there's probably an advantage to like those those smaller towns too because not that necessarily say that you don't get that in this in the cities, but like those smaller towns typically I feel like people are more relaxed, like people like take jokes better. I don't think that they're, you know, I mean like de depending on where you go, I mean you might get like like obviously a certain type of redneck that like, you know, might be a little bit more on the edge about certain things. Um, but I think for the most part, like in my experiences, cause I was in sales for a long time that like, I always preferred going to the small towns. Like I, mm -hmm. I was in uh, Mallory town and Brockville and that surrounding area for quite a while. Um, and I always found like the people there were just like nicer to salespeople, like city people. They're just like, got to stick up their ass, you know? Yeah. It's less I, likely I, that someone's going to be offended in a small town, but I would say more likely that someone might like fucking punch you out after the show. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah exactly. if they don't like your stuff. Well, I was, I was uh, talking with, I was on um, Simone Holder's podcast last night and I was talking about how like, I don't get nervous or afraid whenever I'm, I'm doing uh, comedy. Like I, I can be in front of 20,000 people. Wouldn't bother me. I'm like a natural performer, but uh, like, I'm afraid of sharks. So like the idea of being in the ocean and like, off the coast of Australia would just terrify. I don't think I could do it. I just don't think I could do it. I'd have a panic attack. Yeah. And then that kind of got us talking and I was like, there's probably m more comedians every year that get punched in the face than people that get attacked by sharks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been punched in the face once in my five year career. Good. That means that you're, uh, you're, you're testing those boundaries. I kind of yeah. feel like if you're not getting like some slack for something you say, then you're not like, you're not, being ballsy enough well it was it was by a woman and it was because she didn't get my joke it wasn't even because it was like offensive it was because she thought it was more offensive than it actually was but it was like uh, it's one of those but i guess uh, i deserved a punch in the face because i told a joke right yeah yeah i know the, the whole the whole people going to a comedy show and having expectations that it's going to be like a certain degree of like PG 13 or whatever. And they're like, Oh, you know, it's like, don't go to a fucking comedy show. Like, uh, they just have to understand the art. Like you can't just, if I don't, I hear jokes I don't like, and then I just don't laugh. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And, and I move on and I wait till I hear one that I do like, and that's it. Like there's no being offended. Like being offended at a comedian doesn't do anything. Uh, the worst thing you can do, I always say this to every other comedian, is just not laugh at their jokes. Like, that's the worst. That's how you can get back as an audience member at a comedian if you don't like their jokes. Just don't laugh. Yeah. That's it. Like, I, I don't respond well to being told what to do either, like, while I'm on the stage. Um, I have a certain style. I mean, my favorite comedian is Anthony Jeselnik, so from that 
could probably tell that like I have a certain style or certain like kind of uh, material I like to do. And uh, it does get you into trouble. But like you just said before, like I, I feel like if you're not taking those risks and you're not being a little bit ballsy with your stuff, then you're not really like exploring the art form. You're yeah. just kind of saying words. Well, yeah. And I feel like obviously, you know, someone could have something specific in their life that happened and like, you know, you just, uh, yeah. cause I know, I know that like Jess has got that joke about, uh, I'm just blanking the name of the, the actual person that they're talking about how he makes the joke about, uh, this person was in the news because she was murdered and the person was like, yeah, that person was like my, was my niece or is my yeah. niece. And then he's like, you know, was your niece. Yeah. Casey Anthony. Yeah. Casey Anthony. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like that, that kind of thing, you know, like, but I, I definitely find he, you know, you, you don't really obviously see it in, in the spotlight, but you can probably imagine like he's probably had a lot of him and like Jim Jeffries, for example, you know, those guys are probably going to have it too, but you can just also imagine like how, like, I, I would love to, I would love to actually see like a heckler take on one of those guys. Cause like, they're just next level. Like they would just, for the heckler you know yeah i really don't think jesselnick even takes on hecklers like i've seen him twice live and i've seen him kick people out like he's just like shut the fuck up and just kick them out yeah like he doesn't even give them the time in his set like because uh when i saw him live in toronto actually people were yelling out punchlines to like his older jokes it's a weird he's a weird comedian where like it, almost like Andrew Dice Clay where like people are yelling, waiting for the punchlines. Like, yeah, I know. And it's, it's, it's like, it's funny. Cause he's got like what I call infinite replay value. Like I can, yeah. I can just listen to him so many times over and over again, but there's, there's like this anticipation for a certain joke, but obviously like whenever, like if I was going to go see, see somebody live as a comedian, I'd, ra- I'd rather obviously see them like do completely new stuff I haven't heard. Right? That's exactly what he said. He's like, why do these like fuckers want to hear my old shit when I'm up here telling a whole new hour? Like, why? Yeah, do it's not, like- it's not quite, it's not like a concert where you're like, you know, yeah, like, you know, like play ride the lightning, you know? Yeah. Free bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, that's, that's exactly who that guy is. He's the guy yelling free bird. Yeah. The joke he already heard. Yeah, I I, 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 kicking myself still. There was an opportunity I had to go see Jesselnick, Lake, but between just the time of things going on, because I used to have my own business and I just couldn't really justify the money slash taking the time off. And, and obviously had I known that there was going to be a pandemic and everything, I mean, not like he's going anywhere, but yeah. who know who knows how long it will be before I have a chance to see him again. So yeah, I'm kind of, kind of pissed. I didn't jump on the opportunity and go see him. Well, yeah, it sucks. Like with stand up in general and like your documentary touches on this like it's 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 still always going to be around but i don't think it's ever going to be the same like you're never good when's the next time you're going to see uh either a packed crowd like everyone shoulder to shoulder like 200 people in a basement or 4,000 people in a theater yeah i mean it's going to be a couple years for sure like it's going to be a while yeah so like it's it's hard and uh that's why i'm kind of jumping onto this now you know there is still avenues to do comedy and not do stand-up comedy yeah um, stand-up's going to be changed forever but comedy is always going to be around there's always there's all these zoom platforms and things popping up uh we just as comedians we just got to figure out how to use them properly pretty much like exactly and that's that's kind of like one of the things that we uh, that we hit on in the film like a, a big part of it is is about you know the actual 
like it's a live stand-up comedy, right? Because mm-hmm. there's comedy. Comedy's got all, obviously different forms, right? But yeah, like getting in front of people on a stage with a microphone, like that is one type of comedy. And doing that on Zoom, it's like technically, I don't even call it stand-up because most of the time people are sitting down, you know, if you think about it. But um, obviously, sure, you can do like, you know, there was these drive-in shows. Um, There's there's actually like some funny stuff I've seen of like people in front of a bunch of like cars and minivans and like their way of laughing is honking the horn. Like obviously people are improvising, which is great. But at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, it's, we're just, and that's, that's, there was like this resilience and this creativity and this overall just like unrelentless, obviously insanity and passion that all these comedians seem to have to be like, we're like, we're not going to let this defeat us, which is obviously great. But at the same time, you kind of wonder like really what's going to happen when you consider all the comedians that might either a, they quit because they just can't afford to make this their life because they have to get another job or B they just succumb to like mental health issues or whatever. Like a lot of comedians obviously are, although very interesting and and eclectic people sometimes have got their own baggage as it is, you know, and they go in there pretty fucked up Mm -hmm. and then the pandemic hits, like, you know, maybe that'll inspire them to do better or maybe on the flip side, they just go off the deep end and, you know, we see overdoses and stuff, clubs closing down. So it's like, we're going to have to have this whole reboot. And I think down the road, you know, there also could be a lot of really, really positive things to come from this, uh, you know, going out there and, and grinding through a pandemic. I feel like it's like training on um, kind of like, what was that? Like altitude training? Like yeah. you're training in an environment that's so difficult. So when it's over, like people are just going to be so much better, so much sharper. Like if you've mastered Zoom comedy, imagine how much better you'll be on stage, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like going and doing the tough rooms of you know, 10, 20 people. And then when you get on those club stages, you feel like it's easy. You know, uh, you said you don't get nervous, so maybe you don't have nerves that way. But I find like going to rooms and doing, uh, trying my open mic material at open mics and not trying it on stages where people are paying fucking money to see me is a lot better. So like, I feel like those will always be around. I feel like open mics will all open mic and amateur comedy will always be around. All you need is a venue and a mic. Sometimes you yeah. don't even need a venue. Like we've seen, we've saw, saw dumpster shows in Ottawa. We've seen backyard shows. Like you can mm-hmm. do it anywhere. But well, and it's it's funny too because when I went down to Tommy's and I was shooting that bit for the doc, like I didn't I didn't realize that it was just kind of like this guerrilla style. Like we're just gonna show up and do a comedy show and like yeah. nobody knew, which actually was awesome because I think everybody that night it was like definitely like. 99% like students yeah. you know, everybody everybody was already kind of like in that like night mode getting drunk like it, it went over very well it wasn't like everyone was like oh for fuck's sake just, like shut up like we're just trying to eat so yeah. it seemed it seemed to have a very positive outcome which was awesome but you know when you kind of like wonder every time you do that like you know when you say we're starting a comedy show you don't know how many people are just gonna pack up and leave <laughs> yeah I I tell everyone when they book for that show, I'm like, Tommy's is a completely different animal. It's you're going in and you're battling the audience. Like you you have to keep their attention or else they, they will talk over you. Yeah. Like that's what it is. So it, it helps you like build your chops a little bit, try and keep their attention. Yeah. And actually everybody there was, was, was overly very receptive to stuff. And yeah, there, there wasn't, there wasn't really like anybody who, who wasn't having it. Actually, there was a few people that were like, just like, they were really into it. I think this is one chick's birthday and she was just doing mm. shots. I think Peter ended up doing a shot with her. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, over, overall, like it was yeah, great atmosphere. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, how about we just talk about the documentary now? Uh, just um, t- say um, where you can find it, where it'll be available, and uh, just basically the uh, the whole idea of the documentary. Since we've been talking about comedy. Yeah, sure enough. <laughs> well, what happened was when when we went into the kind of the the second lockdown again in October, um, I was talking to some people outside of the con like this, with just other people in more the the Ottawa filmmaking industry. And I heard about a film festival called Digi 60 that they have in Ottawa. And originally I was just trying to think of like coming up with something to make. And I thought of doing like a short, it's because the, the time limit has to be seven minutes or under for that one. So, um, so Jeff Fernet, so he's somebody that I've gotten to know and we're kind of both into like the, the, the media and video and stuff. So, um, we were supposed to film a comedy special, not special, but like Kyle Brownberg and Grand K and uh, Blank and the name of the other guy. Um, they were going to do something at a brewery here and with Matt Santos, he was promoting it. Yeah. So we were kind of like getting into this like mode of like start to like film comedy stuff and then everything got canceled and we couldn't film it. And then I was kind of thinking like, yo, we could do like a documentary about this. And then it kind of like grew into this like full on, like now it's like 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it kind of became something that like, that seven minute one was really just for that one festival. But now it's actually like more of a like full documentary. It was, uh, it's not, it's not selected for it, but I got it entered into hot docs, the largest documentary film festival in North America. So fingers crossed in March, I'll find out if it actually does get entered uh, to be in it and featured. Mm-hmm. So right now I was kind of hoping to do a bit of a release at yuck yucks, but then of course with the third shutdown, um, we'll kind of have to wait till maybe February. So what I'm hoping for is come February, do a bit of a release for it at Yuck Yucks, kind of do a bit of a fundraiser behind it, um, screen it there because it features obviously tons of people from Ottawa. And then at the same time, have it available on my website. So I do have my website being made right now. I'm going to kind of do a, a bit of a release for my production company. The documentary is kind of a big um, like all in one kind of shabam, if you will. So I'm hoping for some time within the first couple of weeks of February, have it released um, so my company's called One Last Shot Productions. So it'll be launching very momentarily. Get the website up. The website's olsproductions.com. Um, so that's where it'll basically like the film will be. And then uh, what I'm hoping to do as well as I'm still kind of waiting to hear back from Cask is to create a GoFundMe and, and use the film as a, a bit of a, a fundraiser to help to raise some money for struggling comedians right now. So everybody that watches the movie, you know, I'm hoping that they get the strong message that they'll, you know, go on to a cast website, see how they can talk to the, their MP, sign the petition, help to actually get comedy recognized as an art form. Cause right now it's not, which is just freaking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about that a lot in the, in the film and yeah. And people obviously realize like that comedy is on thin ice right now. And hopefully people will, will help and give, you know, five, 10, 20 bucks, whatever they can and create a bit of an emergency relief fund, um, that will do a bit of uh, kind of like small grants that will go towards comedians that you know are, are having difficulty paying rent or getting food or whatever right now because all they're getting is just whatever they can get from like EI or, or the the serve right. Yeah, I think it's an awesome thing what you're doing, man. Because like I feel like a lot of people don't understand. Um, well, first of all, what you already mentioned is that ca- uh, in Canada, stand-up comedy is not considered an art form, which means basically that we're not. Um, we can't get the the grants and the funding that musicians and uh, other forms of art can get. Um, so basically, 
at this time, we're shit out of luck. Like, like you just said, where we have the CERB and that's if you made enough money as a comedian to have the CERB. And that's if you, you know, you might've had another job while you're a comedian, like most people do. Um, but for those people who really do rely on this, like this is what I did 100% of my time. And it was on, like, I was on the come up, you know, 2020 was going to be like a big year for my projects that I had planned and seemed like everything was trending in the right direction that just completely shut down. Yeah. So like, I and, and again, I think that was going on for, for a lot, a of, lot people. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Like it seemed like it, it seemed like Canadian comedy was on like this come up where like people were starting to appreciate it. Um, even things like getting a Juno award back, like having a Juno award for best Canadian now. Yeah. Um, that just started three years ago. So like we're starting to get recognized more and I'm hoping that, you know, with documentaries and stuff like this, and especially that you were saying earlier, there's such a strong connection kind of between us comedians, but yeah. at the same time, we are all like in this together. We're this weird little group of people that go through this, weird fucking thing that we do yeah we're the we're that um <laughs> the island of misfit toys in a way you know exactly yeah. that's exactly the way i can describe it but anyways uh i want to thank you for joining me today i think we had a really good discussion about comedy which is cool i could talk about comedy forever so <laughs> yeah pro probably I, I yeah i'm pretty sure i could talk like if i don't <laughs> stop talking about it then i would i'll just keep going <laughs> Right, well, free bird, yeah. yeah so yeah so comedy night comedy 19 uh the last laugh will be yeah. coming out uh, uh soon then and um it'll be streaming live on my website olsproductions.com and uh yeah follow me on facebook and instagram scott ross and brown